This is the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. We exist to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning. That was a, uh, a group of Baptist pastors um, in Ukraine. Um, just got that this morning. Dr. Vong actually passed that along to me. Uh, some of you know Dr. Vong, who was here with us um, a few weeks ago. So uh, most of you watched, um, as I did this week, as Russian forces invaded uh, the sovereign nation of Ukraine. It's a sober time. It's a time to remember that we live in a a broken world where the principalities and powers of darkness and the kingdoms of darkness often are allowed at least for a time to to rule um, and to reign over nations. Uh, I want to say a few words about this and then we'll get into uh, the message this morning. One, I want to call on you and ask you uh, to be praying for the people of Ukraine, to be praying for the people of Russia as they resist uh, Putin and pay a price for that. Uh, Be praying for the allied nations as they uh, determine what to do that is enough, um, but not so much that could be perceived as uh, outward aggression by Russia and actually um, cause an escalation of armed conflict. You'll see if you go to our website on the homepage below the Colossians um, series image, Uh, is an image there you can click on, Converge Worldwide, a network that I am uh, very close to. We were a Converge Church in San Antonio, Baptist origins, tracing themselves back to Swedish pietists. Converge has a number of churches uh, in Ukraine, close relationships with Baptist churches throughout that country, and they've set up a relief fund. There are all kinds of funds that will be set up, uh, but we wanted to make available to you uh, one that we know and trust. And I know Converge has made a commitment uh, to send every penny of every dollar that's given there straight to um, the churches that are running relief efforts and humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. They're not taking uh, one cent of any dollar for administration fees um, or anything like that. So if you feel led by God uh, to give, uh, feel free. That's on our website. It's on our app. You can go there. Uh, every bit of what you give will be forwarded promptly. Um, to uh, local churches and local uh, centers run by local churches in Ukraine to help them. It's interesting, uh, Ukraine is the, uh, the center Kiev of the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, Ukraine itself has some 35 million uh, Christians among its population and over 2,200 Baptist churches stretching across all 25 districts in Ukraine. Um, those uh, pastors support and churches support missionaries around the world. Um, They do the same kind of work there that we do here cooperatively. They support prison ministries, medical missions, orphan care, um, educational and other social ministries. Uh, And as we speak, they're organizing uh, centralized care centers in all 25 districts around uh, Ukraine to try to meet uh, the growing humanitarian crisis there that is a result of uh, the Russian invasion. So, Uh, This week, we'll be putting out some prayer guides. Uh, Those are available through uh, different sources now. Um, But one of the beauties of of the time in which we live in human history is um, those of us with with friends or connections to Ukraine or people who are connected uh, to friends in Russia or Ukraine are able to communicate 
uh, via social media and other means right now um, in live time. And so that's, um, that's an interesting thing about now. But please be, be praying uh, not only for the Ukrainians and for the Russian people, but for um, the church in Ukraine, for those pastors and leaders in the church there, um, for many of the, the men in the church who've been called, um, obviously, into military service and service in local militias uh, to defend their nation uh, today, even as we gather here. Pray for our leaders, leaders of the Western countries, um, that God would grant them extraordinary wisdom, whether or not they know him, whether or not they have a relationship with the living God, um, that he would see fit to guide their decisions and their thoughts through this time. Now, um, I hope you guys had a good winter break. We did. We went skiing. Um, skiing in the east is different than western states. You have more ice. Or I guess we have more ice now. So um, the staff were, were giving me a lot of trash about skiing. And I wasn't concerned. I was like, look, I ski good. And I do. Um, the only time I fell, the only time I fell uh, was skiing uh, well after dark. Cade was up there. The lights were on. Um, skiing down a black that I'd skied down a couple times already in the day. But as we rode up the lift, I looked, and uh, through the, uh, the lights, you could see there were patches of actual good powder and patches of ice. And I told Cade, I'm going to have to be careful uh, because you can really bust it on ice which is exactly what I did. I got about two-thirds of the way down, no problem, went to turn up this direction, and my left ski hit ice, and it just turned in, and I went down, and my knee just snapped. Popped, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> spent most of the rest of the night in the ER, much to my chagrin, and have an ortho appointment this week. So we'll see what happens. My right ankle somehow got injured too. It's swollen up like a softball. I don't know what's going on there. Apparently, my age and my legs have not recalibrated themselves from my current age and weight. Um, so that's a discussion for future time, but we'll hobble on and get, get through it. Uh, the, the funny part is, uh, it wasn't funny in the moment, but it's funny now. Um, I'm, I'm hobbling down. I had a couple of skiers behind me come and brought, bring my skis down to me. They were up the mountain a bit from where I eventually stopped and asked if they wanted me to call ski patrol. I said, no way. I'm not about to be drug off here in that little sled thing they have. Um, I will work my way down with honor um, and a slow pace. And that's exactly what I did. They took my skis down for me and I wobbled on my poles. It took about 45 minutes uh, to get down, step, step out of the way and eventually get to the bottom where I thought Cade would be there to receive me, but he had not. He had jumped on, uh, jumped on the lifts and was continuing to ski. You know, like father, like son, I guess. So he came down, but that's, that's that. And now the tension's gone from that and we can hopefully pay attention to um, God's word. This morning, we're gonna be in Colossians chapter one. We're going to be in the same passage we were in last week. Every once in a while, you preach a passage and it just, um, it's not done with you yet. And this one's not done with us. A little bit of this will be review and that's how we learn. Um, but I think God has a word for us this morning about the, the witness of love, particularly the witness and the power of Christian love, the witness and power of Christian love. Let me read verses three through eight again. Colossians chapter one, verses three through eight. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. 
the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. What I wanna do this morning is just walk through Uh, a handful of observations about the power and the witness of Christian love. At the very center of true biblical faith and of orthodox theology is love, is Christian love. In fact, if, if you want to get at the center of the theology of Jesus, how Jesus understood himself and his role, how Jesus understood the heavenly father, the coming presence and work of the Holy Spirit, At the center of it is a theology of love. At the center of God's will and his desire for us is the question, what does love demand? What does love require in this situation or that situation? Sometimes love requires you to say something. Sometimes love requires you not to say something. Sometimes love requires that you act. Sometimes love requires that you not act. All of this guided and prompted by the Spirit of God. Let me make a few observations here and ask that God would be gracious and merciful to us as we go through these. Let me pray for us real quick. Father in heaven, speak to us now through the power of your word. God, do as we ask week by week what only you can do. Open our minds and our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us minds to understand hearts to receive, and wills to act, God, on the beauty and the power and the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we're here, we're before you, we're waiting, and we're listening. Speak to us. Do not leave us unchanged. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, the, the first observation I, I wanna point out this morning about Christian love is that it cannot exist independent from faith in Jesus Christ. It cannot exist independent from faith in Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, faith and love are bound together. They are inseparable. We see this in verse four. As we look at Paul's language, he says that he has heard of their faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. This is why when, when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, and we've been over this before, but it's so important to, to center yourself on this. He didn't just give a theological answer about God. He also gave one about our love for one another, right? He didn't just say, hey, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And stop there. He said, in the second is like it, to love one another, to love each other, to love your neighbor as you do yourself. Faith in God, trust in God, saving, redeeming faith in God was so tied to our love for one another in Jesus' mind that he couldn't even separate them when asked the greatest commandment. And part of what it means that that Christian love cannot be 
independent, it can't be realized independently from faith in Jesus Christ, is that it can't really be emulated. It can't be imitated in a sense. It is something that God gives us. We'll say more about that in a minute. Love without faith is weak. Love without faith in Jesus Christ is a a weak love. It's a love that lacks courage. It's a love that is prone to compromise when truth is at stake because it's not grounded in anything bigger than human affection and human emotion. This is part of why the whole love is love conversation in our society gets a bit ridiculous because we have to define love. And scripture tells us that God is not only the definer of love, he not only says this is what love is, he is love. So we can't say love is love, we can say God is love. And God clearly lays out for us what genuine, true love between human beings looks like. Love without faith is weak, but faith without love is cold and legalistic. It's unkind. It's unfriendly. It has harsh edges to it. Some of you have experienced this. Faith without love is cold and legalistic. They cannot exist independent from one another. Christian love from faith in Jesus Christ. A second observation is that Christian love is an affection for and a commitment to all believers. We talked a bit about this last week. Christian love is an affection for and a commitment to all believers. It's why you and I can grieve differently and feel differently about our brothers and sisters in Ukraine than we can just the general population of Ukraine. We pray for them, we hurt for them, but there's a unique bond that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine and our brothers and sisters in Christ in Russia, who Sharon and I have worshiped with and and been to church with. There's a uniqueness. We talked last week about how, right, right, in church, you can't just love those that you have a natural affinity for. You gotta love the crazy ones too. And every church has a handful of crazy ones. It's not just us. It's all of them. It's every church. Everyone you go to, if you're leaving the church to get away from the crazy ones, you're just trading the crazy ones for the crazy ones at your next church, right? We talked about how every church as a a gathering of people and even a a gathering of God's people, you're gonna have your crazy uncle and your neurotic aunt, your cousin Eddie. But Christian love is an affection for and a commitment to all of God's people, right? And if there's someone that especially irritates you, pray for them. Pray for them that God might change your heart toward them. You can't pray for someone long without having your heart warm for them or you just stop praying. There's something that God does in us as we pray. He reorients our heart and our thinking, our values and our affections. Third observation, Christian love is a public virtue. Christian love is a public virtue. Virtue, virtue. It makes itself known visibly and vocally. Christian love makes itself known visibly and vocally. This is what Paul is getting at in verse four at the very beginning when he says, he thanks God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, when he prays for them because 
He and Timothy have heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. Why had they heard of it? They had heard of their faith in Christ and their love for one another because this kind of Christian love can't be contained. It's, it's a public virtue. It's known, it's seen, it's heard, it's observed, it's witnessed. There's been a change. It's personal. Our faith in Jesus Christ, our love for one another is, is a personal thing to us, but it's not private. Your faith in Christ is never private. It's not secret. If you remember the words of our Lord in John 13, verse 35, Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you what? Love one another. If you love one another. This, friends, this is why it's so ludicrous to think that you can love Jesus, but not Jesus' people. You can't love Jesus. Jesus' own witness and testimony is that the, the very thing in your life that will distinguish you as a true follower of his is going to be your love for brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you love people, you wanna be around them. You wanna gather large and small in worship and in groups. Doesn't mean some aren't tough to love, right? Some are. Sometimes you are. As hard as it is to believe, sometimes I am. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah, we're all tough to love sometimes. But Jesus said it is this love that we have for one another. Christian love, which is unique. That defines us as his followers. The writer of Hebrews makes it a little more clear. He said in chapter six, verse 10, God is not unjust. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Again, this relational connection that you and I have to one another when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we minister to one another, when we show one another grace and mercy, we serve God in doing so. There's this direct connection between the work and love we show God and the way we serve and love one another. Christian love is a public virtue. Paul had heard about it. A fourth observation. Christian love is the fruit of hope. It's the fruit of hope rooted in the truth of the gospel. Christian love is the fruit that hope produces. Hope that's rooted in the truth of the gospel. Look back at verse five. Paul says this object of their faith and love springs from the hope. It's, it's launched out by the hope. It's empowered by the hope. It's sent forth and produced by the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. This is why doctrine matters so much. When Paul is talking about the true the true message of the gospel, he's laying that side by side with what the Colossians have been hearing 
through this syncretistic message that has some of the gospel and some of culture and, and some political ideology from Rome and, and some other theories and philosophies of the day all mixed in. He's saying, that doesn't do anything for you. Your faith in God and your love for one another is produced in your life. It's heightened, it's sent forth, it's given to you by the hope you have that's stored up, that's secure for you in the presence of God about which you heard in the true message of the gospel. You know what hope is in a really single sentence? The kind of hope that Paul's referring to right here. It is confident trust in the person and promises of God. The hope that Paul is referring to is confident trust in the person and the promises of God. That kind of trust empowers you and I to make decisions, to step out when we don't know where our foot's going to land, to step into the river, Jordan, at flood stage, and trust what God said, that if we step into it, he's going to dry it up and make a way for us to cross. Sometimes you've got to step before God moves. And when you do that, you're doing that based on the hope you have rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ that produces confidence in the person and the promises of God. Another observation is that Christian love is ultimately the work of divine grace in our hearts. It's ultimately the work of divine grace in our hearts. This is another reason why you, you, simply, you simply can't just gin it up. You can't fake this. You might could fake it for a little while, uh, but you're gonna be outed. When push comes to shove and things get hard, you're going to fall away because the genuine love for the body of Christ for one another simply isn't there. Simply isn't there. Look back at verse three. This is part of what Paul's getting at, and I won't uh, go too far into this because we spent a lot of time with this last week. But this is why he and Timothy thank God. This is why they thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of the Colossians for the faith in God and love for one another that they have because this love is the work of divine grace in our hearts. That's why we can love those who are sometimes unlovely. That's why we can love those who are sometimes high maintenance. That's why we can count on being shown grace and mercy and love by our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're high maintenance, when we're a bit hard to love, when we're a bit crotchety. Six observation from this passage. Christian love is due to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Christian love is due to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Look at verse eight. Well, let's go back and let's do seven and eight. Paul says, you, you learned it. You learned this grace of God, this gospel of Jesus Christ, the true message of the gospel from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Part of what Paul's saying here is, is the message that Epaphras delivered to you is the true and faithful message. He is a faithful minister and messenger of Christ, and he delivered it on our behalf, on behalf of the apostolic witness and person. Verse eight, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. 
in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing here is the little Greek word that we translate in the Spirit here can also be translated by the Spirit or through the Spirit. All three of those are equal in their application and their translation here. And who also told us of your love by the Spirit. Who also told us of your love through the Spirit. This is a God-given love. This, this is why it's such a test of whether or not you and I are true followers of Jesus. Because it is a love that the Holy Spirit gives us. When you and I are born again into the family of God, the Spirit of God gives us a unique familial love for one another that just simply wasn't there before. It simply can't be there outside of saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's a love by the Spirit. James D.G. Dunn, the great New Testament scholar, said Christian love can only be aroused and sustained by the Spirit of God. Christian love can only be aroused and sustained by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the author of the love that we have for one another. He's the sustainer and sanctifier of the love that you and I have for one another. One final observation this morning from this passage. Christian love ultimately is nurtured and nourished Christian love is nurtured and nourished through the Spirit by listening to, meditating on, and trusting in the truth of the gospel. Christian love is nurtured and nourished through the Spirit by listening to, meditating on, and trusting in the truth of the gospel. You and I cannot hear the gospel enough. We cannot read the gospel enough. We cannot preach the gospel to our own hearts enough. This is what Paul is getting at in 5b and 6b. 5b says this faith and love that spring from the hope result in their hearing the true message of the gospel the true message of the gospel. 6b, he says that this gospel has been producing fruit and growing them as it has uh, believers all around the world. And it's been doing so among them since the day they heard it and truly understood it. Here he substitutes God's grace for God's gospel. Since they heard it, since they understood it, it's been at work in them. The gospel personified here as a power that God sends into our life. It is the true announcement, the true word about what God has done historically in and through Jesus Christ for a lost and broken world, of which we see evidences all around us. Nothing but the Christian doctrine of sin can explain the mess that we see in our world. You ever thought about it? You ever just stopped and thought, why do we even need therapists? Why do we need law enforcement officers? Why do we need prisons? Why do we need militaries? Why do we need 
doctors? Why is it a certain thing that our bodies are going to waste away? Why is it certain that human beings are going to try to harm one another, exercise power over one another in demented ways? It's because of sin. And the truth of the gospel is that which counteracts all the other messages in the world and speaks truth, life-giving truth, transforming truth to us. It's at the heart and the center of Christian love. It nurtures it. It nourishes it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this morning, as the band makes their way back up here and we prepare to respond to God's word, both through worship and communion. How's your love this morning? How's your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love being with them? Do you look forward to spending time together talking about the things of God, praying for one another? Do you feel a unique sense of burden for your brothers and sisters in Ukraine today, for what they're going through? Do you feel a sense of connection when you see a group of Ukrainian pastors sharing their heart and their message, declaring their faithfulness to stand? They're not running. They're not leaving the country. They're staying there to advance the work of the gospel, to bring hope to those who are huddled in subways and building basements right now. How's your love? Maybe some of you this morning, you need to bring that before God in repentance and say, God, I confess that I, I, I need you to increase this grace in my life. And I'm not loving my brothers and sisters like I'm called to. That I don't have a sense of affection for and commitment to those who share the witness of the gospel. Wherever you are this morning, my prayer for you, my prayer for us is that our love would increase. And that the way we love one another, the way we serve one another, the way we care for one another would be noticed visibly and vocally by the community around us. Let's stand. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to lead us to respond in worship. And if you're a baptized believer with us this morning, uh, we invite you as you feel led, if you feel led to step out um, at any time while we're singing to make your way to one of the communion stations in the front or in the back. And join believers all over the world. Join brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine today who are huddled together, observing communion, being reminded that wherever and whenever their blood is shed, whenever their days on earth are done, they are secure in Christ because of his sacrifice. If you feel led to step out, you're a baptized believer, we invite you to do that anytime while we're singing, communion stations in the front and the back. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as we...
come to a moment of response, to respond to your word, to respond to the true message of the gospel. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would indeed have your way with us, that you would find soft hearts, responsive minds. God, we lift up the situation in Ukraine to you this morning. God, we pray for those who are already experiencing deep and tragic loss due to the violence and war that is upon them. God, you are a God of peace. You call us to be sons and daughters of peace, to be peacemakers. God, I pray that your sovereign power, your will, and your reign would be over this conflict, over the leaders involved directly and indirectly. God, we pray for the people of Ukraine. God, we pray for the church of Ukraine. We lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. We place them before you in your good care and ask you to embolden them to be courageous witnesses for the gospel, to resist in ways that reflect the courage that the true gospel gives to do what they're called on to do as citizens of their earthly nation. God, we pray for the pastors that you would help them be faithful. God, we pray for the church around the world that you would mobilize your people to support them. God, move and stir in our own hearts this morning. May we love not only one another, but all the saints in this place and around the world. Father, I ask these things. Thanks so much for joining us online at the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us.